Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Profoundly Pointless. My name is Nick Vinzant. Coming up in this episode, remembering and um, uh, forgetting. What's really happening is you are reconstructing things from bits and pieces that you have in the present. I think we're still quite a ways away from being able to download memory. Is it impossible I'm not sure. At a gist level, like just knowing what happened, you probably have it down really well. When it comes to remembering really specific details about something, there's a good chance you have a lot of those incorrect. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. I want to get right to our first guest because this is absolutely fascinating to me. We're going to talk about memory, specifically what happens in your brain when you remember something, why you remember some things and forget others, and if our memories could ever be downloaded. This is memory researcher Dr. Colleen Parks. How does memory work? I would say the answer is probably to start with how it doesn't work. So it's not like a video um, we're not recording things constantly. It's not like a filing cabinet. You can't go back in and just pick up the same file. What's really happening is you are reconstructing things from bits and pieces that you have in the present. So you might have somebody ask you, having somebody ask you a question, um, and that serves as a cue to your own memory. Whether that will be successful or not depends a lot on how good the cue is. So, you know, if they're asking you a really a really vague question, then you might not be able to remember whatever it is they're trying to get at. Whereas if they ask you something very specific, like, you know, what happened at the party last night, that you would be much more likely to be able to remember. But I think I think the takeaway is when I say memory is reconstructive, what I mean is it's kind of like you're getting these bits and pieces back, but it's not going to be perfect. Um, so you're going to make little mistakes that most of the time don't matter at all. And sometimes you make a bigger mistake that does matter. It's okay. It works most of the time. And the purpose of memory is not to record our lives. It's not to, it's not even for us to reminisce really, um, or to think back specifically. It's really to give us an understanding of what's going on and help us, um, you know, expect what might come next. So it helps us build predictions about our, the world around us. 
And sometimes that means you need to remember a specific event. Like, you know, how did this person act the last time I saw them? But other times you don't need all the details in order to predict something. You know, I don't have to remember everything in my kitchen to know what your kitchen is going to kind of be like in general. So when we remember something, what I'm imagining is, is there a physical change in our brain? Like, how are we remembering it? Yes, there is. So there is a structure called the hippocampus. It's kind of buried in the brain. It's underneath um, some cortical layers. That structure is really important for remembering previous episodes of something or a previous event. So what happens is neurons fire in, in that particular structure, and it kind of connects all of these different pieces together. So if you are remembering a visual component of something, this one structure, the hippocampus, is going to talk to the you know visual processing areas in the brain. It can then connect up all of these kind of different sensory components of the memory and in conjunction with some other some other areas like that is how you remember is you've got this kind of indexing system right and that's kind of what the hippocampus is doing when we decide kind of what we remember and what we forget does our brain subconsciously make that decision right so something happens but our brain decides hey th this thing is important or do we just happen to remember it? I would say more often than not, there's something there that makes it somewhat more important to remember than, say, what you had for breakfast yesterday. So if you spilled your breakfast in your lap, then maybe you would remember it for longer than you would if you had not, and it was just kind of a normal morning. So something that is important for what we remember are things like emotion, um, whether it's connected with some sort of reward, like we're going to get something out of it. Um, and that kind of tags a memory as being more important than other memories. So what happens is you get these little kind of tags along with things that happen. So, you know, you spill your breakfast in your lap. Well, that's novel, right? It probably hasn't happened a lot. And so that's going to stick out a little bit more. It's going to garner more attention from you. And so you'll be more likely to remember it. Whereas when you're normally eating breakfast, you're not really paying attention to what you're doing. There's some subconscious thing that triggers, even if we don't realize it, that flags this as being like, hey, you might need this for later. Possibly, yeah. Um, I think it can be both conscious and subconscious. So you would have some sort of emotional reaction that is conscious, but you it's not like you're trying to remember it, right? It's just that that little emotional tag is going to make that memory a little bit more important than whatever happened right before that was part of your normal routine. I'll use this analogy of a computer hard drive and hopefully for the more computer educated people, I don't mess this up, but I always remember them talking about like, right, if you delete a file, it's not really gone. It's still there somewhere. It's just a lot harder to find when we don't remember something. 
is it there somewhere we just can't find it or is it really like the brain just says we're done with this get rid of it yeah both i would say so there's a lot of times when you will forget something and then you remember it later on right in those cases, what happened is it's like you're just running up against a wall or something. It's you're you're we call it blocking. Um, that doesn't mean that the information isn't there, but for some reason you're not able to get to it at that moment. But there are also times when it seems like the information is just gone, um, and we think that it kind of depends on what kind of information it is. Um, if it's, you know, kind of simple information, say a face, recognizing a face, that is probably still there later on. But if you have to remember the connection between a face and a name, that's the kind of information that might just, <laughs> we don't know exactly how, but somehow it disappears. Can you research how someone forgets? Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, that's really interesting because I am just starting to get into that kind of research. So um, one of the things that we're looking at is kind of how how different types of memory processes decline over time. So more generally, what we're doing is just looking at how memory declines over time um, and seeing if the way that it declines differs depending on like the type of information. Again, like a single face versus a face and a name. Those two types of pieces of information might decline differently over time. What's some of the other research that you're working on? So I'm also looking at a way that memory changes over time. Um, the technical term is reconsolidation, but essentially it's just how does memory change? Well, traumatic memory is something that people are working on. Um, this is not something I'm working on myself, but there is a lot of interest in this kind of memory change and how it might be beneficial for helping to treat PTSD. Um, because one of the main symptoms of PTSD is maladaptive memories. So if you can break the connection between somebody's conscious memory of this traumatic event and their fear response, like their bodily response to it, you can help them with those maladaptive memories so that they can still remember what happened, but no longer have the anxiety and the fear. So that's the direction that this kind of research is going in. When you look at people's memories, do we generally, are they generally good or are we generally bad at remembering things? Like if if you were to ask the average person about what happened and then we went and looked at a surveillance camera of what happened, would we be pretty close or pretty far away? Yeah, that's really interesting because there was a recent um, study that came out and they tested random people's memory for public events. Um, and then they asked a bunch of memory experts, how well are these people going to do? And the memory experts massively underestimated how well they did. So they actually remembered things pretty well. Um, now, did they get all the specific details right? That's another question. But did they remember that something happened? With pretty good accuracy, yeah, they did. 
So I would say that in general, our memory is pretty good, right? It's just when you get into specific things or special circumstances that it gets weird. Kind of like what color was the car? We remember that it was blue, but we don't remember if it was like navy blue or dark royal blue or that kind of stuff. Is that is that kind of on the right track? Yeah, exactly. Um, so are you ready for some harder slash listener submitted questions? Okay, I'll give it my best shot. How closely is memory tied to intelligence? That is a good question. There is a pretty good link between the two. General intelligence tests uh, that we administer in a lab do have a significant memory component to it. But at the same time, you can have somebody who suffers from amnesia and their intelligence as measured on those tests, except for the memory part, is fine. So on the one hand, there is a link. And on the other hand, you can distinguish between the two. So memory certainly helps us be more intelligent, but once you have developed, you know, as an adult, um, if you lose your memory in the, in, when I say you lose your memory, you lose the ability to create new memories that doesn't necessarily affect your overall intelligence. Any chance we will ever be able to download our memories? Oh, I have no idea, but that's really interesting. Um, I don't think we're there yet. I think there's a lot of really cool stuff going on with AI and the brain and brain-computer um, interactions. So we know that there's a bunch of stuff you can do. Like people can play games with their mind when they have an EEG or, um, you know, the kind of brain waves. So an EEG that measures brain waves and talks to a computer. But that's not memory. So I think we're still quite a ways away from being able to download memory. Is it impossible? I'm not sure. But there is something physical in the brain that is happening that if we could figure it out, like you could download this physical process as ones and zeros. Yeah, potentially, because... I mean, it's all happening at a really small scale. Like, you know, you can get, start talking about proteins folding when you talk about memory. But um, if you can find the right scale to work at, then, yeah, um, you know, something is happening there. You have chemical processes, you have electrical processes. And so there are ways to actually read memory. Um from various brain imaging techniques. So you can kind of have somebody imagine something or remember something and they can take your brain activity and predict what that thing is. Like, like in a broad sense, like, oh, this is a happy memory or I can specifically predict you're going to, this is you in Disney World in 2012, <laughs> right? More broad than that, yeah. So it's more like, okay, are you looking at a face or are you looking at a house or are you thinking of a face or are you thinking of a house? So, or you, you know, and you can say that with memory as well. So there's the opportunity to predict what people are thinking or imagining. Um, and with that technology, I would imagine that eventually we'd get to 
something where we are, if not able to write to memory and download memory, we're certainly able to kind of read it better. Do you think people's, how much faith should people put in their own memories? I would say a decent amount, like let's say 60, 40, something like that. <laughs> like 60% confident, 40%. I'm not sure about that. Um, again, I think it comes down to what we call the gist of something versus the details. Can we intentionally forget something? There is evidence that you can. Um, and there's a debate about how that works. But if you practice not thinking about something, you can reduce the likelihood that you'll remember it later on. You're not going to erase it from your memory, but you may be less likely to think about it at some future date. So if we take an example of something like the last really embarrassing thing that you did, right? You probably experienced that and then thought, oh, I don't really need to remember this. Um, and so maybe you, whenever it starts to come to mind, you're like, oh no, I'm not thinking about that, right? So you could replace it with something else. Think about something else. The debate is over whether that's the only way you can do it or not, because there's some evidence that says you just suppress it. Somehow you just, you know, stamp it down, basically stomp on it. And it reduces the likelihood that you'll remember it. Kind of on that note, are repressed memories a real thing? No, <laughs> no, they are not. Um, has it ever happened in the history of humanity? Maybe, but the vast majority of them are some sort of false memory. And it's not that the people who are experiencing this are lying in any way. I believe they have this real experience of memory, but that is a subjective experience. That doesn't mean it's accurate, right? And there's a lot of different ways that this can happen. Um, some people just fall prey to suggestion. Um, there have been a lot of cases of false memories um, you know, so-called recovered in therapy sessions. And I would say those we trust the least. There are also people who report kind of spontaneously remembering things. However, is it truly a recovered memory? Not necessarily. So there's this anecdote about a woman who was sexually assaulted and she recovered the memory and told her boyfriend. It was like, oh my God, this horrible thing happened to me. Her boyfriend said, no, you told me about that five years ago. So yes, it happened, but you it's not a recovered memory. You've already remembered it. So our ability to remember something, like that I told you something already, that declines too. So my memory of my memory <laughs> can decline. Um so there are a bunch of different ways that people can develop these things, but the majority of the evidence really just does not support that they are real. I heard one time that if you remember something, take a picture of it, and then let's say like your good travel memory, and then you see this picture again of this great moment that you're actually remembering the picture, not the actual event. Is that true? 
I think there's some evidence for that. Yeah. So it's, you know, it's probably a little bit easier to remember the picture because it's like this nice encapsulated scene. So, yeah, there's also, I mean, there's evidence that it it can not overwrite, but interfere with the original memory a little bit. So if the picture is more recent, maybe that's just, you know, maybe you're remembering that better because it's easier to get to. It was more recent. So... I've had that experience, actually. So I thought that I remembered something at an improbably young age, but I didn't. It was that I had seen pictures of that event, right? And that's probably what happens to a lot of people who say, oh, I remember this from when I was two. No, (laughs) that's pretty unlikely. (laughs) What is the earliest we're capable of memory? There are certain memory systems in place when we are born, but they're automatic and unconscious. So the kind of memory that people are, you know, usually interested in is conscious, like my ability to recollect, my ability to reminisce or something like that. That starts coming online probably at the same time language starts coming online and it develops over adolescence and probably reaches its peak somewhere around, I would say, 18 to 25. When, when you look at, at older people and talking 70s, 80s, do, have their memories just faded or has their brain just aged to the point where it can't quite get them as easily? Or is, there a, is that even a difference, really? Well, I would say it has gotten to a point with all the changes that are happening to the brain as we age it's gotten to a point where it's harder to get back to memories, like to retrieve them. It's also harder to encode new memories or to, you know, learn new information. So trying to remember a face and a name when you're 80 is going to be a lot harder than doing that when you're 20. I never thought of that. Like you would have difficulty making a new memory. Yeah. And that's, um, that's really common. And that's what happens actually when we talk about amnesia is usually um, it's not that they can't remember their past at all. It's that they have trouble making new memories. What, now, but why would that make them seem like they can't remember their past? Um, there is going to be some loss of memory from the past, but in general, those the older memories are actually more protected than the newer memories. So the newer memories are, you know, the, the older memories are there because they are, it's kind of like survival of the fittest, right? So you can get back to the older ones more easily than the newer ones because the newer ones are decaying or declining over time. And they're declining much more quickly than the older ones are. But when, when we get older and we start forgetting things, usually what we're forgetting is, you know, we're forgetting something that I did yesterday. Did I already pay that bill? Did I already tell, you know, my spouse this piece of information rather than, let's say, forgetting where you lived, where you grew up? How are phones and screens impacting our memories? Or are they? There's no real evidence that we're seeing a decline in memory. Certainly we are able to kind of what we call offload our memories onto these devices. And it's really helpful. 
but there's no evidence that that is going to hurt our memory. So I like the analogy of when novels first came out, people were all up in arms that that was going to, I don't know, hurt the youth somehow. And now um, when paper came out, they were like, oh, people don't know how to use a slate board anymore. Um, so I think it's kind of the same thing. It's a new technology. There's always some fear that comes along with new technology. I don't think it's going to replace memory for us. And it's also you don't need it, right? Does the brain basically, right. in terms of memory, just chuck anything it doesn't need? It does a lot, yeah, which is not to say you're never going to remember something totally random and irrelevant, um, but it does kind of get rid of a lot of the unimportant stuff. These are some more maybe personal questions, but not okay. really personal. Um, would you rather remember every day or just one day? But oh, that's it, tough, Yeah. And when I say I remember every day, like everything about it, right? Like you there remember every day. There are people who can. Um, yeah, they're called highly superior autobiographical memory, or they have highly superior autobiographical memory. They can remember just a crazy amount of information from their lives. If that is what we were talking about, I think I would say, yeah, that would be pretty cool um, rather than just one day. However, you can also imagine a case where you have so much information in your in your mind, in your brain, that you can't get back to anything because there's just too much there. For those people, like what's what's different? Like why is their brain like that? We don't know yet. Um, they are looking into it. So there have been some brain studies and my memory of them is that there weren't a lot of differences that would be kind of immediately obvious, like, oh, there's, you know, the structure that supports memory for events, like what I, again, like what I had for breakfast this morning, it's bigger in them. That's not the case. Um, it is possible that they just rehearse their memories more. Um, and there is some evidence that they do, that it's just something they enjoy. So that could be a component of it. So it could just be that they're practicing a lot more. At the same time, it's hard to imagine that there are no differences in brain function between, you know, them and us. So I imagine that that will come out at some point, that there we will find differences, brain differences. Are they smarter generally than most no. people? What's really That's interesting. interesting that they're not smarter than, right? Like you would think that their IQ would be like 350 or something like that. I know. Well, and that's what makes it so interesting is that when it is about them, they remember it really well. But if you put them in a standard memory test where we have people learn a list of words and then we ask them to remember them like 20 minutes later, they do about the same as everybody else. So they're just narcissists, basically. <laughs> so really, they just care about themselves a lot. That is a possibility. <laughs> we cannot scientifically rule that part out. Right, yeah. More important for the brain, remembering or forgetting? That is a tough one because if you did not forget, you would probably not be able to remember either. There would be so much information crowding your mind that you go and try to find, uh, you know, that analogy of going and trying to find one piece of that information, 
it's like trying to find your keys on a messy desk. Like there's too much stuff there for you to actually see the thing that you need. I would say they're, they're both really necessary because the memory portion allows us to build expectations and, you know, make predictions, even if they're unconscious predictions. Um, And that's really important for daily life. Like you have to have some idea of what's about to happen, right? So I have to know that when I go into my kitchen, the table will be on the floor and not the ceiling. How can two people who see the same thing remember it so differently? I think it has to do with what they're paying attention to. So, you know, we can experience the same event and if I'm paying attention to one aspect of it and you're paying attention to another aspect of it, we may come away with radically different interpretations of what happened, um, very different memories of what happened. So, and then your memory, like you can kind of build on that. If you remember it, you rehearse what happened, then those two memories can become more and more divergent from each other over time. Um, But yeah. And the other aspect is, you were talking about narcissism, but like, how did that event affect me? Like maybe the event affected me differently than affected you. And so that is going to contribute to our memory of what happened. What is the most interesting thing about memory to you? Oh, that's tough. Um, I would say that there are both conscious and unconscious forms of memory. And The unconscious forms are things like, you know, muscle memory. That's a real thing. And some of those, sometimes those automatic forms of memory actually mess you up instead of helping you. And I find that really, really interesting. Um, When, you know, you do have memory for something, but it leads you in the wrong direction. Um, So like I was saying you know, you have a memory for these two people talking about the death penalty, one Republican, one, one Democrat. And sure, you have a memory of it, but your automatic bias leads you in the wrong direction to remember who said what. Does that happen a lot or just more than we might think? I say more than we might think. For example, a recent study we did compared images and sounds. And people are way better at images, remembering images, than they are sounds. And so now we want to figure out why. I mean, that makes a lot of sense, right? Like just thinking of it right now, I remember mostly pictures in my mind. I don't remember very many sounds. Yeah, I know. It's, it is, I think it is really intuitive. And what interests me is that it's really intuitive. But if I ask people like, why do you think that is? Then the intuition kind of disappears. Um It may simply be attention. We're visual creatures, and so we're just paying more attention to the visual world than we are to the auditory world. Um, But it could also be something specific about memory. It could be that, you know, when we remember something that's visual, we remember it really precisely. But when we remember something um, that is auditory, maybe we get more of the gist information and not those specific details. Something that I've always wondered is, I can remember in my mind fantastic detail about my wife's face, but if somebody asked me to describe it, I couldn't, she got eyes, like I couldn't describe it in any way. Is that a memory thing or that's just me being an oddball? 
<laughs> no, I don't think it's an oddball. And I don't think it's a memory thing necessarily. I think it um I think it has to do with visual imagery and conveying that to somebody. Mm. Um so I think it's just the communication process. So because the ability to remember, you know, exact detail of your wife's face, that seems just about right. Do you have a good memory as a memory researcher? Do you feel like you do? No, I don't. <laughs> and there is a, um, you know, kind of a cliche in academics where they say you study the thing that you're bad at. And I wouldn't say that I'm bad at it. I would say I'm probably pretty average, but that is frustrating. <laughs> I want it to be better given that that's what I study. If somebody wanted to improve their memory, what would you say like, oh, you should do this? You can practice the kind of memory that you want to improve. So if you want to improve something like muscle memory, then you practice the skill that you're trying yeah. to, to trying to get. Um, if you're trying to better remember, like if you forget your grocery list and now you're in the store and you want to remember what you needed, that's something you would probably have to practice specifically. What's interesting about training, though, is that it doesn't seem to transfer very far to other types of memory. Like you get better at one kind of memory that you really practice, but you don't necessarily get better at everything. That makes sense, right? Like you could you get great at remembering the grocery list, but not the to do list. Yeah, is it almost exactly. like that. I mean, yeah, not yeah. But then there's also general kind of just general advice and um it's a little cheesy, but what is good for the brain is what's good for the heart. So nutrition and exercise, unfortunately, <laughs> is really good. Um, exercise is has been shown to be really important for um, peak brain function. Hmm. I have one question that is more of a... So I was born without a sense of smell. Oh. And I've always been told that smell is strongly related to memory, but I have a fantastic memory, at least compared to like my, my friends. Is is smell how to like how does that relate to memory? I think the key with smell is it doesn't happen all the time. Like I don't notice smells a lot of the time, but I have like suddenly encountered a smell that vividly reminded me of something. So in fact, I remember the event. I was walking near some bushes and all of a sudden I thought of my grandparents' backyard. And it's like, wow, that's a really specific smell. Um, and I hadn't thought about my grandparents' backyard in years. So it's not that smell is necessarily happening all the time and creating, you know, these great ways to get at memory. It's that when it does happen, and you get something really specific, it acts as like this really good cue. Like I'm giving you a lot of information, even though it's just a smell. Um, and it, it seems to work. And there there are reasons for that that are brain-based as well. That's That's pretty much all the questions I have. Is there anything you think that we missed or anything like that? Not that I can think of without just giving you a lecture. <laughs> I want to thank Dr. Park so much for joining us. If you want to connect with her, we have linked to her on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on Instagram and Twitter. And we have also included her information in the episode description. Real quick before we get to the next part of the show, 
you may have noticed we started running ads. We didn't want to do it, right? We, we held off for as long as we could. But it's just gotten to the point where financially we need to do something to support the show. We really appreciate everybody who listens. I hope that this doesn't turn people off. But we want to keep doing it. We like doing it. We love hearing from you guys. So in order for us to do that, this is just something that, that, that we had to do. So I hope that you continue to support us. You know how much we appreciate everybody who listens. So thank you and sorry at the same time. Okay. Now let's go ahead and bring in John Shaw. Um, are you a forgetful person? I'm 50-50. I would say not really, but I don't think I'm a forgetful person. But then I forget something. But do you forget something that people should remember? Or do you forget something that, like, everybody forgets? Like, hey, what time is this appointment that I scheduled six weeks ago? I can't remember it. I would say the most common thing that I forget is my is my wife telling me something. And I, I, I go, oh, yeah, sure, you know, that's great. I mean, I just did it this morning, actually. And then she called me, and she was like, hey, did you do this? And I was like, wait, you told me to do something today? So basically, you don't really have a forgetting problem. You have a listening problem. Yeah, but, yeah, well, I can't believe I just said yeah without even thinking about the question. Um, selective hearing. But maybe, I don't know, does that go one on, like, hand in hand with forgetting things? Uh, I'm not sure. I think so, because if you listen to this memory researcher, basically what she says is that you don't remember things that you don't think are important. So essentially what you're saying with that comment is that you don't think the things that your wife and people around you say to you are important. Oh, no. Wow, uh, dude, you're a terrible person. That kind of does make me feel a little bad. And my wife has said that on several occasions. You should feel legitimately bad because what you're saying by forgetting the things that you forget are that I don't care about you, wife and friends. <laughs> but that's not – that's not. Uh, it's you're not, taking people for granted. It's not intentional, but uh, I can understand how that is perceived as, as that for sure, 100%. I, I, one thing that hinders me uh, is I'm not a note taker. Mm. So I, I try to remember everything you know, from word of mouth usually. I don't, you know, I, the only thing I think I take notes at is my job, you know, remembering thing, you know, crews, whatever people, but other than that and stories, but other than that in my personal life, I don't take notes. Well, I don't generally take notes on my friends' conversations either. Like I'm not sitting there talking to people, taking <laughs> notes on my I, phone to refer to back later. That's not what I meant, but I, I'm not, I'm not talking about like, if we're having a conversation like you and Josh I. Josh had a good day. No, I'm not. No, I mean, like, if we're talking about sports or something, I, I might misremember something. That's what I'm talking. Like, that's what I think you're referring to with like friend talk. Okay. All right. Do you think? All right. This is my last question about this. Do you think that the way you remember your life is accurate? An accurate representation of the way that it probably happened, or do you think that you have mentally falsified your own memories in order for you to seem cooler? or better than the actual circumstances, right? Like I'm talking about like, man, in high school, I remember scoring like 40 in a game and you really probably scored eight points. Do you think that you have <laughs> falsified your own memories of your life? Yes, but not on purpose. It's sincerely because I can't remember them. 
Or like if I'm telling a story, my wife will jump in and she'll be like, no, you actually lit the house on fire. It's not that you thought you did. You actually lit the house on fire. Let's hear your thing, man. Let's hear your thing. We ready for uh, the shout? Nothing. You're not going to, we're not going to tag team it. You're just going to let me. I try not to participate in this. I don't really want to tag team anything with you. Oh boy. Well, I mean, all right. Uh, well, let's get to the, some shout outs here. Huh? We'll start off with the Cyan God Anubis, uh, AKA Marcus Nash, uh, Kelly Sweeney, who I got to give a shout out to her. Cause her, her, her handle is at the real Kel Chanel. Mine's at the real show. If anyone's. I was wondering. Shameless this just plug. reminds me of how much I hate your email address. You have to get an adult email address at some point. So John's email address, I'm just going to give it to everybody because nobody's going to remember it, is johnshull2487 at gmail.com, which is a ridiculous email address. Like, dude, be an adult and get a real email address. I, I actually agree with you. I, I, I don't disagree. I, need, I do need one, just John Shull yeah. something, something. Like how do you put that on a resume? I mean, to be, <laughs> you're probably jinxing me because I'll probably get fired tomorrow. But I haven't, I haven't really had to update my resume uh, in quite a while—five, six, seven, eight years. So, okay, but if you're sending out for like something important, you put John Shull twenty four eighty seven. I do. I, yeah. Or I mean, or you know, the wife and I have a joint email, which is just our. Oh last my name. god. Are you serious? Listen, can we get to this after? You guys it? mixing your Facebook accounts too now? <laughs> if I Mr. could, Mr. and Mrs. Scholl, you got a picture of your wedding up there? If I could, I would. I don't. I, I don't. I wouldn't have social media if I didn't do what I did. I'd have a joint account, or I wouldn't have any. God, you've got a joint. When did you get a joint email account? I, I think within a year of us uh, starting to date or dating. Who's conver- who, who started the conversation? Who oh, suggested it? Definitely my wife, for sure. Did you have any pushback? Probably, but then it was like, whatever. I mean, I'm going to lose the battle. I might win the war someday, but I'm going to win, the, you know, I'm going to lose this battle. So, <laughs> so you know, anyways, moving on. Uh, this is getting off track. Uh, okay. David Divide, which is really just David David twice, but I thought that was clever. Um, Henry Sanchez. Cameron Olin. What? Timothy Weens. Justin Haggerty, Taylor Glenn, and Preston Langford. You all get the uh, the special shout-outs today. All right, so would you rather know when you're going to die so you can live it up and have a great time or just keep living like how you're doing now and you might live to 60, 70, 80 and just, uh, you know, just never knowing? Man, this is, this, is, this is a heck of a question, right? Would you rather know that you're going to die? No, I probably wouldn't. I don't think I would want to know when I'm going to die. Could it wait a minute? Does it change at all? Like this is the date and no matter what happens, it's not changing. I mean, in my mind no, like that's the date, like, you know. Okay. It's a, it's- well, then I see if I knew 100% that this is the date. Mm-hmm. Then you can do whatever the fuck you want. Like I don't need to look both ways crossing the street. I can just walk right the fuck out. Like I don't need to take any sort of personal safety in my life whatsoever. Right? Do you want to go skydiving? Yeah, I do. Are you worried about the bear shoot? No, I'm not. I'm not gonna die. I can do whatever I want. Like if I knew the exact date and that date was set in absolute certainty that I was going to die, that would be kind of awesome because you could do anything. You know what? I wasn't even thinking of it like that, but that's a great that's a great way to think about it. Yeah, that's a great way. 
You want to go mountain biking down Death Mountain? Yeah, sure. I'm not going to die. What if uh, What if you were given like within six months? Would that change your outcome at all? Would that change, or would you just that further enhance what you just said? The only thing about that that time frame is I could suffer some sort of debilitating injury, which would allow me to live up to that time frame. Okay. Right. Yeah. I mean, now that would be a concern, right? I would need to know. I would need to work that out exactly when the death date would be. <laughs> but otherwise, yeah, I wouldn't. If it was 100% certainty that that was the day that I'm going to die and nothing that I did before that was would cause my death in any way, then that would actually be pretty awesome because you could live a cool life. Like I could go jump out of an airplane. I could go jump out of an airplane without a parachute on and like I'm not dying. Like you could do stuff like who's going to be the first person to test this new volcano suit in the volcano. Oh, I'll do it. Do you remember that thing death clock when we were teens? Nope. No. All right. I had a life. It was his website. You went to his, you know, you typed it in. It gave you your your day of your death. I've done it now probably a thousand times, and every day it's different. So, I can't believe that's not a reputable website. <laughs> Is God was, running it? Because if God's not running it, then basically no. What if he was behind it? Actually, it, it was a, it was a big thing. It was like a fad back when we were teens and you know into our college years, which was a long time ago. <sighs> Dang! I just saw this breaking news. This is recorded. Um, Mark, wait, what? May 3rd? May 3rd. Bill and Melinda Gates are getting a divorce. Could you imagine divorcing and like how much it's going to cost me? $60 billion. <laughs> I mean, at that point, I would think like if you're Bill Gates, why, why at this point? Just give her, you know, give her the whole entire house somewhere. Just stay married. I guess if you have that much money, though, you probably don't give a shit, right? Like, oh, no, I've only got $40 billion. <laughs> I will. Like, really, uh, does it even matter? I, I remember, to go along the episode, I remember, I recall this, uh, when Miguel Cabrera was going through a lot of his oh, marital God. issues. Of course, it's baseball. Who? No. Who's Miguel Cabrera? Nobody knows it's baseball. Everyone knows. this guy. First off, everyone, I would say eight out of 10 people listening to this know who he is. Either way, the thing is, he makes $40 million a year. He's been doing that for the last 20 years. And to see the amount of money that he had to split up amongst his his mistress and his wife was incredible. Like $8 million a month in childcare to his wife. Dang. And it was just, I'll never forget those numbers. And I can only imagine what Bill Gates will have to pay to his ex-wife. That is ultimate proof that we were given a penis and a brain and only enough blood to operate one at a time. <laughs> I I don't disagree with you, actually. What was what do you think is a bigger shock of of a quote unquote celeb couple breaking up? Bill and Melinda? Or like Brad and Jennifer? Oh well Bill and Melinda Gates. Okay. Like who cares about who's Brad and Jennifer? Jennifer, oh, Aniston. Pitt, Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. First of all, that's like thirty years ago, bro. Come on, update your I mean, stats. N- name me a bigger, bigger breakup that you can off the top of your head than than like a Brad and Jen. Mm. I mean, they they still yeah, have that a actually hashtag. probably would be one of the biggest ones, right? Yeah, yeah, that would be one of the biggest celebrity divorces is Brad and Jen. Well, Angelina Jolie and Brad. Was that bigger than Brad and Jen? No, I this would is say two that. guys who know nothing about celebrities. <laughs> I would say no to that, but maybe I'm wrong. I, I, but I would say no. 
Well, I think just because you kind of expected it to happen with celebrities, right? Like Bill and Melinda Gates have probably been together for like 20 plus years. At what point do you just like, you know what? <sighs> now we're going to get divorced. <laughs> like he's got, I don't know how old he is. He's in his 60s. Has to be. Yeah. Here's the ultimate other question is, what does the other person look like? Because that's now the next big question. <laughs> and I, it's almost always a downgrade. It's almost always a downgrade. I just want to know, like, who filed, like, who, who, what, you know, they're they're going to say they both wanted it, but like, yeah, who really wanted it? Uncoupling, you know. I can't really think of any bigger um, uh, divorces than that. Those two. Now that I think about it, those are probably the biggest ones I can think of. Yeah, I mean, thank you, thank you for you know, for for playing into the reason. But why I also I literally can't think of any other ones. Like, I literally cannot think of any other ones. It's because you can't remember. Uh, the Star Lord and the chick from Parks and Rec. Chris Pratt and Anna Ferris. Yeah, that's that's no the way. only other one I could think of. Yeah, that's not even on the list of. That wouldn't even make a top forty list. What are? Would you rather go to a movie theater or a drive-through movie? Well, or I wouldn't rather go to a drive-through drive movie. It'd be really hard to watch. <laughs> would you have to go in sections? Oh, you just shit. keep going around. I fuck you that mean up. a drive-in? Yeah, no, but... I don't want to go to a drive-in and sit in my car. I can do that in traffic on my phone. Well, you don't. You clearly haven't been to a good drive-in. You don't sit in your. I, car. Don't talk to me. I've been to. Don't talk to me about drive-ins. I'm from Kansas, son. <laughs> oh, now you're gonna own up to the Kansas. Uh... Yeah, don't talk to me about drive-ins. I know about drive-ins. I like it. I mean, I prefer the surround sound of a movie theater, you know, but uh, a yeah. drive-in a drive-in has its place. I mean, you can sit out it there in your chair. You can sit out there in your chair. someone and... else. <laughs> There's a reason that no, that drive-ins were closing because nobody wants to go to a drive-in. It's now, not that great of a time. Like, hey, I can sit in my car and run up the air conditioning and fucking run out of gas. <laughs> but in a pandemic world, it's they're they're like, they're the thing to do now. Right. So they're a great thing to do when there's no other options. <laughs> like when I can't possibly do anything else, I'll guess I'll go to this drive-in. I, I love, I, I just love how you, you have a real hatred, it sounds like, for uh, drive-in movies. I do. I got arrested at one once. Are you done? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I am, okay. I'm done. Done. All right, so our top five is top five things we consistently forget. What's your number five? <laughs> uh, so my this is going to be kind of a weird list, so I apologize off, off the okay. top of my head. Uh, to refill the toilet paper roll when I'm done. Oh, I never forget that. <laughs> I, I do. I'll even put the, uh, you know, the I forget the name of now whatever the tailor, the toilet paper is wrapped the cardboard around part right yeah. yeah I'll even put that like on you know on the sink and I'll be like all right after I'm done I'm gonna go downstairs and grab more and I never do never wait do. a minute you don't keep a stockpile of extra toilet paper rolls next to the toilet pa- next to the toilet no yeah we do but like when I, like it always seems like I'm the one who is the you know runs out of the last roll of toilet paper. Well, you're probably in there doing the most work. Also, okay, how many rolls of toilet paper do you have on standby generally? We usually, uh, we, by we, I mean me, uh, I usually keep three, so one and then three extra. Okay. We also have the bidet, so it lasts a little longer, our toilet paper. Okay, how many bathrooms do you have? Uh, 
Two that are in use. What's the other one? A rainforest cafe? <laughs> it's in our basement. It's under construction right now. Well, oh, okay. under construction. That's never going to get done. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, is it just a toilet like in an empty room surrounded by like an unfinished oh, basement? It, no, I mean, it's a bathroom, but like it is, it looks like it could be in the rainforest. I mean, it is bad. Like it is. Okay. It is. Good, good. And you know, some people keep up with their houses and maintain their property. Other people will decide not to. That's your choice entirely. <laughs> what's, um, what's your number five? I was going to say, like, three is acceptable. You go four, you're pushing it. Like, dude, how much are you really going to the bathroom? You need four backup rolls in there. That's ridiculous. Well, I mean, uh, you know, whatever. Just go on. Okay, my number five is to turn the lights off. All the lights in my house are on right now, and I consistently get pissed off about people leaving lights on, and all of the lights are on. I'm the guy yelling at people to turn them off, and they're all on. No, see, I, I'm uh, I, I'm OCD about that. I have to, I check the burners, I check the lights, everything's you check off. The burners? Wow. Yeah, man. You have wait a minute before you go to bed at night. Are you? Do you make house rounds? I do. I do. Wow. Like, like I don't even need to because I live in a very safe area. Like it's you know it's not like I need. You live to do in Detroit. It. I do. <laughs> I live in suburban Detroit. Oh, finally, you admit it. You're <laughs> yeah, the, there, you don't live in Detroit. You live you in the go. suburbs of Detroit. There you go. Uh, okay, do you start at the top and work your way down, or you start at the bottom of the house and work your way up in your housing checks? It's What's the just, most ridiculous part of your housing check? I mean, checking the burners is pretty ridiculous, but... Dude, it's it's embarrassing. I, I, I check to make sure the freezer and refrigerator doors are shut. Oh, I don't think that's bad. Oh, that's a well. that's a costly mistake. I would actually argue ar- make an argument that that's a bigger problem than generally leaving the burners on. Oh, I mean, I you know, I, I check I check the doors, I check the burners, I check the refrigerator, freezer, and then I check the the, the dog and cat food and water, and uh, and that's that's about it. Maybe maybe that's the most ridiculous thing. That's probably the most ridiculous thing. <laughs> you have a, that 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 you have a cat. Yeah, well, I I don't see her. She's fucking the biggest scaredy cat you've ever known. So, okay, what's your number four? Um, people's names. Oh, that should be higher, dude. Um, uh, my my. Are you a name guy though? So no, I'm not a name guy, but I make up nicknames. So like you know. Or whatever. Oh my God, I do remember that. Yeah. So- for people who maybe haven't heard this story before, when John and I first met, he made up a nickname for me, and I remember thinking, "This guy's gonna be a fucking idiot." <laughs> I don't even remember what it was. <laughs> I don't even. It's probably something stupid. It was, and I just remember thinking, "Like this guy's a fucking idiot." But yet, and now look at us. Actually, our the first couple of days of us meeting didn't really go. You wouldn't think we'd end up being decent friends the way that it started off. Uh, best friends. <laughs> I wasn't gonna say best friends. I wanted to see. I know you were. I know you were. You didn't want to um, say because he thought I'd make fun of you. Okay, <laughs> I'm sure there's more to this story, but I'm gonna go ahead and just put my number four in. That's ridiculously low for people's names. That should be higher. That's fine. Uh, my number four is laundry, but specifically laundry in the washer. You leave laundry in the dryer because you don't feel like dealing with it, but you forget laundry that's in the washer. See, I'm actually I don't because it'll start to smell. After a day or two, so I I don't want to rewash it, so I'll at least get it into the dryer. Mind you, I probably do twenty five percent of the okay laundry in my house. My wife what, is the all star when it comes to that. What in your mind is too long of a time to leave laundry in the washing machine? 
like I just said, whenever a day or two, whenever it starts to get wow. that that musty smell. That's ridiculous to me. See now, okay, for context, I don't have a sense of smell. So I'm I'm bored like if it's over two hours, I'm rewashing it. Wow. That's yeah. I mean, that's pretty uh pretty extreme, man. I th- I think maybe it isn't. But I would have no way to know if it smells because I'm assuming, though, that if you just took that washer, the stuff that's left in the wash for like a day or whatever period of time it takes to accumulate that smell, does that smell then stay with the clothes even after you dry it? I, You know, I wouldn't know, I guess. I, I, I've never really run into that. I always rewash them if they start to smell like that and throw them right in the dryer. See, I'm of the assumption, though, that the smell would stay with them even if you move them straight to the dryer. So that's why my cutoff is about two hours. That's, that's as far as I'm going. Yeah, that's pretty quick. I mean, maybe it isn't, but for me, it's pretty quick. Uh, but I can't risk the possibility because <laughs> I wouldn't know. Like, if, I wouldn't know if it's wrong. I feel like I didn't. I feel like I didn't play up enough on your no smell growing up. Like, I could have farted on you and shat on you. You would never. Yeah, know. it's always good to make fun of people with disabilities. <laughs> and on that note, my number three. I have. <laughs> I have my wallet as my number three. Oh, I don't understand that. Well, I don't understand wallet. I don't understand phone. I don't understand keys. I don't know how people lose those or forget them. I do not understand that. I I honestly never do. For me, my my wallet's just because for for a long time, I had a cell phone case where I would always keep like my credit card, my my ID. Well, I don't don't have a lot of women do that. (laughs) I it, it worked very good for me. So I'm sure it does. My wife and her cousin, her fellow cousins, uh, Angela and Sarah, her what, mom, what's Margie. Your no, what's your number three? All, all, a lot of my wife knows lots of women who have that same thing. What's your number three? Drinking water. Oh, I forget you. to drink water all the time until I basically feel so sick that I'm like, oh, I should probably drink some water. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, you make fun of it, but I, I try to, you know, down a few of these, which people can't see. It's like a 40, 40 ounce Contigo. Right. That's a good that's a good product placement in there. So for people who aren't maybe familiar with this, John has a giant water bottle, but it's got one of those big thick straws that you kind of suck on and he yeah, doesn't yeah, wash it. He washes it work. once a week, which is basically just slurping up his own saliva for six days. Uh, nice and moldy. I bet that thing does. I bet if you could, I bet if you put that near a dog's nose, he'd be like, Ooh, <laughs> I bet it stinks of just decay and probably. spit. And you're yeah. basically drinking. If it's 48 ounce thing, you're probably drinking a solid 44 ounces. You're probably drinking four ounces of spit. Well, it's 40 ounces. So that'd be 36 ounces. Thanks for listening. 30, no, I would change that to 37. I would change that to three. Then you're probably drinking three ounces worth of spit every time you fill that thing up. Well, I, I hope everyone out there can hear this. You don't have a problem drinking your own spit? I don't know. I'm just moving on. I'm just ignoring you. We're moving on okay. here. Uh, passwords. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, that's a good one. Especially when they make you like break your tradition of – because everybody's got like the formula password that they use, right? Yeah, Where you just sure. add a number or an exclamation mark or some sim- symbol to it. Like yep. when they make you change it up, that's basically impossible. I agree with that. That's a good one. Yeah, or you have to capitalize this letter and then have a special character. It's like Jesus. My thing is uh, one thing at the grocery store. I always forget one thing. Uh, see, it's never right. the same thing, but always consistently one thing. I have a list 
I'm old school. I take a pen and paper and I, wow. I, don't, I don't forget anything that I have on the list. So you don't even use it on your phone. I don't. You could put old school list, huh? You have I a special that. notebook or do you, what kind of paper you write it on? <laughs> Usually just some kind of like kitchen note, you know, it's not too big. It's like a, maybe like okay. a quarter of the size. It works, man. That's good. Do you organize the list in any way? Like by where it is? Yeah, usually, yeah. Grocery store? yeah, usually, usually by, uh, by, um, whatever, Section. like fruit, vegetable, canned goods, okay. you know, okay. death, ice cream, um, uh, things, my, my number one is things my wife says. Wow. You're a terrible person. I am. I, I don't, I, I don't even mean it. It just happens. Because you're not listening and you don't really care about her. <laughs> she, she might tell you that. If you can't take the time to truly listen to the people that you care about and remember the things that are important to them, it's not a good look, man. Thank you for I'll have to tell my counselor what you said. Maybe they can tell me the same thing. I'll try to remember. My number one is people's <laughs> names, which kind of is the same thing where you can't remember somebody's name. I mean, you give me shit for giving nicknames. I mean, what do you do? Oh, I just don't even remember it. I don't even bother remembering people's names. I really don't. It's it's going to take me 10 times. Somebody's going to have to introduce my, themselves 10 times before I'm going to remember their name. But I'll remember things about them. I just don't remember names. I'm just terrible at names. Like, what happened to her intern? Where'd he go? What's his name? I don't even remember. It's literally just intern. <laughs> Josh the, last time that I, the, the last time that we talked to our intern was... He was having difficulty finding housing, not because he didn't have the money for housing or because he didn't know where to live, simply because he did not know about how how go. He didn't know how to go about finding housing like he didn't. I don't think our intern made it very far in life. Honestly, (laughs) We say that jokingly. He's doing real well, I think. I don't I don't really have much. I put all my effort into my top five this this week. I don't really have a lot that I thought about otherwise. Um, dates, anniversaries, important things like that. I would say that's pretty forgettable. People's phone numbers is forgettable. Ooh, but those are the kind one. of things that, right? But how many phone numbers do you actually know? You could tell someone that phone number. You get arrested. You got to call them. You need to know the phone number. How many do you actually know? Uh, I'm going to say between... No, probably less than five. I'm going to say probably less than five that I could No, between five and 10. I'll go five and 10. I could do, I can maybe do three. Like, uh, definitely two, maybe three. That's it. Like I'm trying to, I'm trying to think, uh, yeah, I, 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 I could probably do five to 10. What is my phone number? What is the area code? I, I know your number. I, I know, Ooh. I know the phone. Mine's kind of easy. Actually. Yeah. I know the 407 number off the top of my head. I don't even know the area code of your phone number. Don't even know the area code. I mean, that's. I'm just happy to have a place in your phone, Nick. I really am. Okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of Profoundly Pointless. I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. What's something that you always forget? I really think names is up there. Or like keys, nobody basically forgets their phone because it's attached to your hand. So that one, I think a couple years ago, you could have said that, but not anymore. But let us know on social media or in the comments or wherever you want to. Let us know what are some things that you forget. Seeking the truth never gets old. 
Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.